Welcome to Pushing Through. I am Tate Frazier, and as always, I am joined by the kid, BJ Armstrong. And today we have a reporter from ESPN who covers the NBA. He is a Flintstone. His name is Eric Woodyard. Eric, thank you for coming on the program. We're excited to have you on Pushing Through. Man, appreciate y'all having me, man. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to this. We had the draft last night. BJ's fired up, so we're going to get into all that. <laughs> BJ, take it away, because th- this is a Michigan uh, podcast, first and foremost. So <laughs> here we are Absolutely. Again. Absolutely. One of right my, uh, my Michigander. <laughs> Eric, take us around the league. We have trades. I feel like as an agent, they traded me last night. Everyone's getting <laughs> traded. What is going on? Get us up to date. We have an injury with Clay Thompson. We have mm. trades. We have Anthony Edwards. Just break it down for us. Man, it was so much, you know, last night to unpack. You know, obviously, I got the Midwest region, so I was following the the Bulls and the Pistons the most. But, you know, I was surprised. I'm not surprised that Anthony Edwards went number one. I think that's a solid pick, man. Mm-hmm. Pit Bull, you know, he ready to go right away. So, I like that pick for them. Uh, obviously, Wiseman, number two to go to state. You know, I heard the fans in the Bay Area, you know, loving that pick. And then, you know, LaMelo Ball going to the Hornets. Mm-hmm. I know, you know, you know, he had been working out in Detroit, so – a lot of fans in Michigan were hoping, you know, he would end up in in, in Detroit, but it didn't work out that way. But uh, top of the draft looked good, and I'm just excited to see how the rest of this the chips shake out a little bit because it's a lot of guys that we don't know a lot about in this draft. So I'm, I'm excited to see how it works out. Well, it, we did have a situation. You talked about you covering the Midwest and a team that I think stole the draft last night, or at least you know took a lot of headlines, was the Detroit Pistons. And Troy yep. Weaver, we had him on this program. He said you know, he was going to try to make some waves there in Detroit, get people excited to wear the Pistons hat. Last night, he takes Killian Hayes at seven, a guy that some people had. I know the Ringer had him as the number one on their board. So that was an exciting pick. They make a trade for Tony Bradley, a guy that you know has been playing some big minutes for Utah behind Rudy Gobert. So Troy Weaver makes some headlines. What, what, what does that do for for the Pistons nation, and and is that good news, right? Because it seems like they're playing for the future. Yeah, man. You know, in Detroit, you know, as BJ knows, it's the Detroit versus everybody mindset. I didn't grow up in the D, <laughs> but, you know, I, I grew up in Flint, which is not too far, so I understand and I get it. And I think he came right out with that mentality that Detroit versus everybody and attack the draft. That's what he said. I'm attacking this draft. Mm. And like you say, starting with Killian Hayes and, you know, uh, making the trades with Luke Kennard to get, you know, the other, the other guys they got with. And Tony Bradley, I was in Utah, so I understand. He's a lot of size, been playing under Rudy Gobert, kind of ready to break out of his shell a little bit. So, yep. man, I think, you know, they just established that culture right away, and that's just like kind of the Detroit way. So I'm interested to see how they pan out. I thought that was a good pick with Killian Hayes. and uh, That was a good start, man. I mean, if it's going to be like that, you know, that's a good <laughs> sign because it ain't been that aggressive in Detroit for some years now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I want to talk about the other team that you cover very closely, the Chicago Bulls. In talking and speaking with the NBA NBA scouts and executives, there was a consensus that maybe that wasn't out in the public sphere, but behind the scenes, there were a lot of fans of this kid, Patrick Williams. That was a great pick. I mean, I thought the draft started at number four when the Bulls did that because all of a sudden you saw guys go a little, you know, they start dropping a little bit. Guys start going where people where we didn't think they were going to go. But mm-hmm. talk about that pick by the Chicago Bulls or Patrick Williams, because I don't think anyone had him going that high. No, definitely not, because he came off the bench. I mean, at Florida State. So a lot of guys. <laughs> six man of the year in the ACC. Yeah, yeah. six man. Of, you know what I mean? So it's like to be the fourth pick overall after coming off the bench. I mean, that caught a lot of people by surprise. But uh, from talking to Mark, Mark Eversley, you know, the GM last night, you know, he, he said they were blown away by his size, athleticism, 
And the way the league is shaking out right now, they need guys that can play both sides of the ball. So, you know, they they, they went to L.A., they watched him work out, they had dinner with him, he won him over with his personality. And uh, they're kind of in the same situation in the, as the Pistons where they're trying to establish that culture back again and make the Bulls relevant. And, I mean, that was a good draft for them as well. Our tourists, you know, as well, in that president role and, and Mark. And I think that was a good pick for them. And uh, uh, we'll see how it shakes out, man. I think he's has a lot of excitement within the front office. So if they – if he pans out to be how they expect him to be, um, you know, we'll we see what happens, man. Just, to make just real quick, I want to follow up. Do you think the Bulls are done? I'm beginning to hear the Bulls with other guys, in particular Levine. Do you think they're done moving around? Because they seem to be very active. Again, I thought that was a very aggressive pick by them, and they seem to have a lot of activity now, unlike in years past. I think they're going to take calls and, you know, this is me speaking just from personal, you know, not from hearing anything, but just personally speaking, I mean, you got to take calls at this point, especially we had the, the few bats. They haven't made the playoffs in the last few years. So it's like they have to make the calls, acts around. But I think they also want to see how the young talent going to shake out. They were injured a lot last year. So mm-hmm. we didn't really see a lot of Kobe White and Zach Levine together and, you know, Wendell Carter and uh, all these young guys. We didn't see a lot of them playing together. So I think it's also – a side of them that wants to see where is this young talent at because the talent is there. It's just about really just getting them with a solid coach, with they, which they did in Billy Donovan, and just seeing where this team shakes out. But I think part of them was going to have to take calls and part just wants to see where this team is at as well. Mm, and you got some uh, some good fortune. This is my North Carolina bias, but Pat Williams, Kobe White, they used to play AAU together. Yeah. They have a relationship with each other. So he was very excited. I saw Kobe was very excited when Pat Williams got drafted. So you talked about building a culture. When guys know each other and like each other, usually good things happen. That's the best thing. And I think, you know, no, no knock to Jim Boylan, but it just wasn't that, man. I mean, they didn't really have that type of team camaraderie. It wasn't really a players coach type situation. And um, just for me being there my first year, it just didn't seem like, uh, you know, they were fully in sync on top of all the injuries, man. You can't really take that. Uh, mm-hmm. You have to take that into consideration. But uh, it seems like, you know, guys really want to be there and they're really excited. So we'll see how it shakes out. I mean, I think it's a lot of excitement with these young boys. Mm-hmm. You know, Eric, let's bounce around the league a little bit. There was big news yesterday, especially out here in Los Angeles, Clay Thompson's injury to a lower extremity. Uh, he's due to get an MRI today and we'll get a further clarification. What do you know about that? What does this mean? What does this mean for the rest of the league? And what are you hearing out there? Man, you know, from, you know, speaking to coworkers and seeing some of the reports out there, you know, Mark Spears said it didn't look good. You know, some people are speculating that it could be something with the Achilles. I think we just got to really sit back and see how serious it is. I think first and foremost, I'll just hope as a basketball fan, you know, he's okay, man. I mean, the league's been robbed in a sense without, you know, Clay and and Steph. So I want to see those guys back, man. And, uh, it's just a, a, a bad look at a draw. It didn't really have nothing to do with his other injury. But, uh, man, I'm just hoping that it's not too serious because I really had high hopes for them. I mean, they bringing in a young guy like uh, Wiseman and just having that year off to get their self mentally uh, back into that mode, that they, the championship mode they were in. And uh, I had, you know, Curry is one of my early MVP picks, you know, going into the year. So um, I just hope he's all right, man, because t- that team seemed like they were ready to, you know, get back into high gear so i'm just hoping the injury is all right mm. and you talked about you know that's whole, that whole situation i mean going into the season Stephen a smith of the world they're picking the warriors to to be the team to watch out for in the west to take down the lakers and 
you know, the injury comes, at least it's to the other leg. It's not the same leg where he had the torn ACL. So that at least was, I guess, some positive and a negative news cycle with the whole Clay Thompson situation. Um, but James Wiseman, I mean, it's a very similar situation to the Spurs. You know, the one year they kind of quote unquote tanked and then they got Tim Duncan. They get a, a top flight prospect in the draft there. And he seemed to, to be, you know, one of those guys that wants to fit in with the Warriors. So that makes a lot of sense. I want to go to Charlotte because I think this is a. For small market teams, this was good news, right? Uh, to, to get a guy like LaMelo Ball, he's going to sell tickets. He's going to get interest uh, down in Charlotte. Mitch Kupchak and Michael Jordan, they're definitely of the old school when you talk about basketball terms, but they say LaMelo passes the sniff test. We take the best town on the board. What does that mean for the NBA? Because it seems like th- this is good news for small market teams. We're going to get more eyeballs there. Yeah, man, I, and I like that pick too. I mean, because it's, it's it's giving him an opportunity to establish a culture, and, and we keep saying culture, but I mean, it's the it's the reality, man. Establishing mm-hmm. a culture out there, they got a lot of young guys out there. Yep. You know, my my young Flintstone out there, Miles Bridges. I think he's ready to take <laughs> off this year. You know, shout out, shout out to Miles. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Miles. You know, Miles be catching some of those lives out there. You know, this year. So you know, they got a nice young team, Devontae Graham. You know, they're yep. really coming off. You know, a lot of young guys, and man, I, I tell you all from seeing Lamelo. I saw him working out, you know, like I said, as I mentioned before in Michigan, he's big, man. I mean, people don't realize how big that dude is. So you see him in person and he's been training with a, with some dogs, you know, with Jermaine Jackson, who's his mentor and trainer, former player for the NBA. And uh, I think he's going to, you know, surprise a lot. We're not really surprised because I mean, he's a top three pick. So we expect him to make some noise, but that's a nice young situation for him to be in a nice uh, market to build his, himself up. You know, he got the Puma deal and, a lot of good things going as far as in terms of marketing for them. And uh, I think it's a great situation, honestly. Mm. You know, Eric, uh, you know, you and I have gotten to know each other over the years. Share with me your story. I really don't know your story. How did you no. start covering the NBA, journalists, journalism? Yeah. <laughs> Tell us the story. How did you get to ESPN here? Man, it was a long, long journey. You know, as, as I mentioned before, born and raised in Flint, Michigan, you know, uh, I grew up idolizing the Flintstones with Mateen and, mm. and Mo Pete and Charlie. You know, they're still like big brothers to me. Shout out to yeah. them. And, um, you know, from there, I got to a point where everybody wanted to go to the NBA coming out of out of this area in Michigan and any little kid, period. But I got to a point in high school where, you know, I'm like, man, I'm, I'm pretty good. But, you know, I got to really start thinking about my future. So I went to college. I went to high school at Flint Southwestern. Okay. Um, I graduated in 06, and then I went to Western Michigan University. And once I got to Western, I literally asked, like, the first day, what could I do to mix basketball and writing? And from there, man, they told me journalism, and I just started to learn every aspect of it. I interned at the Slam Magazine and did, Mm -hmm. you know, radio internships, TV internships, all that. And by the time I got out of school, man, um, I had two offers. One was to come back home to work for MLI, Flint Journal. The other one was, like, a production assistant job, like, for ESPN, like, just some little foot-in-the-door type stuff. And... Um, I remember I talked to Chris Boussard, you know, I knew him from the National Association of Black Journalists, and he told me, man, go back home, learn the craft, get better. He said ESPN to come hollering at you. So I don't know if he was just telling me that or if he's seen the, you know, potential. But 10 years later, that happened, man. And I went back home, and I was lucky enough to be around young stars coming up. Uh, Olympic gold medalist boxer Clarissa Shields was 15 right. years old. Monte Morris and Miles, uh, Kyle Kuzma were both in the 10th grade. Yep. Miles was in the, going to the ninth grade. It was a lot of young talent coming up. At Mark Ingram was going to the NFL, and I was able to just kind of attach myself to them and build a following. And then I went to Utah, uh, covered the Utah Jazz for two years. Another good situation. It was Donovan Mitchell's first yeah. couple of years. 
That's a little different here. I just want to say it's a little different in Utah and Flint. Man, everybody thought I was crazy for going out there, man. I had to take the opportunity, man. And and that was the best decision I made career-wise, and that got me to ESPN, honestly. Mm. Mm. And just that journey, you talk about the internships and all the things that you have to do to kind of get your foot in the door. I mean, that is one thing that you have to kind of knock the narrative when you're in this business and you cover, you know, the sports world. Because a lot of people are like, well, I would love to do that. You're so lucky. You're so blessed. But like you said, it's all these things that you have to do to get to a point where you're in a position to cover and do what you like to do. So obviously now having the Pistons and the Bulls and be able to cover that beat. I mean, that, that experience and be able to tell those stories of the people that you know and the, and the region of the country that you know so well, I mean, what's that experience been like for you? It's, it's been fun, but it also was different because, and I also got Milwaukee, I mean, the whole Midwest, so Milwaukee, I spent a lot of time in Milwaukee mm-hmm. as well, obviously, because the mm-hmm. Greek freak out there. But, uh, man, it was it was a big adjustment because, uh, you know, coming from uh, smaller organizations, you know, like being at MLive and, you know, being in Utah at the Desert News, Mm-hmm. To jumping straight into living in Chicago, like right before the season started, it was an adjustment period. I ain't gonna lie, man. But um, you know, like you said, I know the area a little bit. I did. I wasn't super, super familiar with Chicago, but I know the Midwest. So if you grew up in Michigan, Chicago's kind of the same. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Milwaukee's kind of the same. But it was an adjustment, man. And then on top of this coronavirus coming out, and I, it really tested me as a man. But I feel like 2020 has grown me, man. I feel like I'm much stronger. I've got better as a reporter. Um, it's, it's been challenging in a lot of ways, man, but you know, I'm thankful for this year, honestly. Quick break to get a word from our sponsor, Helix Sleep. There's nobody on the planet like you, so why would you buy a generic mattress built for everyone else? Helix Sleep sells personalized mattresses made right here in America and shipped straight to your door with free, no-contact delivery, free returns, and a 100-night sleep trial. To choose a mattress, Helix made a quiz that takes just two minutes to complete and matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. If you like a mattress that's really soft or firm, you sleep on your side or your back or your stomach, you sleep really hot. With Helix, there's a specific mattress for each and everybody's unique taste. I took the quiz myself. I was matched with my own perfect Helix model. It's been great. I needed a firm mattress. I needed a king mattress. It all worked out and it took two minutes. It was easy. I love Helix, but you don't need to take my word for it. Helix was awarded the number one best overall mattress of 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine. Just go to Helix sleep.com slash pushing through take their two minute sleep quiz and they'll match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life they have a 10-year warranty and you get to try it out for a hundred nights risk-free they'll even pick it up for you if you don't love it but you will helix is offering up to 200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helix sleep.com slash pushing through that's helix sleep.com slash pushing through for up to 200 off and that's not all we're also brought to you by Have you ever had a dream? Something you wanted so bad you just couldn't let it go? For a group of kids in Harlem in the 80s, their dream would change pop music forever. I'm Taraji P. Henson, and when I was growing up in D.C., there was a new sound we were all listening to, nonstop. It was a little bit of R&B and a little bit of hip-hop, and you couldn't help but shake your booty to it. We just knew we had something different and that it was special. And we wasn't going to let it go. It's a story of friendship. Aaron did it. And what it cost them. There's a high note at the end. Like right before I get to sing the high note, there's a gunshot. And the whole crowd just splits like the Red Sea. Wondery and Universal Music Group present Jacked. Rise of the New Jack Sound. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Wondery app, 
or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, before you become the next, you know, uh, Stephen A, you know, before you become <laughs> big, and then when we ask you to come on the show and we got to go through your booking agency, you know, to get you, you know, right now we can get you, but before, you know, that happens, what what is, tell me what's the funnest part of your job? Mm. Because from the outside, everyone be like, oh man, that's great. You get to cover all these guys. You get to know Giannis. You get to be around all of these these superstar players. And then tell me about the most difficult part that people don't see. Because mm. I know how hard you guys work to do and cover and get the stories accurate. But just give us both sides, the funnest part and tell me the most difficult part. Man, the best part is just relationships. I love seeing behind the scenes stuff and developing relationships. Like, as I mentioned before, like being able to be there the first couple of years of Donovan's career and see when he coming off the bench at first to like, going to where he might hit 20 this game to going to being in a dunk contest to, oh, you're getting your signature shoe. Seeing the rise of people, you know, like their journeys, I think that's the best part is like attaching yourself to that. Like I can always go back to Monte Morris. Man, I was there 10th grade when you was at Beecher and uh, I got to walk outside and there's people shooting outside. I got to be, you know what I'm saying? Like I had to cover all of that stuff. I had to be in, in the hood in the trenches to get to where I'm at now. So I think those experiences prepped me you know, for that. But that was, that's like the best part is this relationship building. And I'll say the other part is like also keeping those relationships, but also, you know, being fair in your coverage and doing your job, you know, because everything's right. not going to be glamorous. If somebody goes out and struggles, you know, and plays bad, you got to write that, you know what I mean? But it's a way that you go about doing it and everybody's not going to agree with it. You know, as people get mad about certain things you write, but I feel like as long as you're fair and you're coming from a place of um, genuine uh, place, I think that's, that's all you can do, man. But I mean, everybody... A lot of people hate the media. It don't matter what question you ask Russell Westbrook sometimes. He might come at you, you know, you don't know what left field they might come out of. So uh, just keeping that balance, man, that's that's pros. And, that's like I will say the pros and cons of, of my job. Mm, mm. And being able to keep those relationships and not burn those bridges, I think, is something right. that a lot of people, you know, they see the Wojas of the world. And they're like, he knows everything. And, and that all comes from relationships, right? That all comes from having that trust that's built between people and being able to have that and be able to have that with the players. I, I, I'm sure that is probably at the forefront of your mind at all times, right? Definitely, man. It takes time. It's like with anything. If I just come to you and I'm just asking you the toughest questions, you're not going to respond. <laughs> I don't care who you work for. You're not going to respond. You got to get yeah. to know a person before you can just jump right into it mm-hmm. hey what was you know what, what's this or that like you got to understand it's going to take time to be relationships you're not going to come right out you know being like woes and shams and all those guys it take years to get to that point so as long as you understand and embrace your journey and embrace who you are as a person i'm not going to try to go out acting like woes because that's not my style mm-hmm. i'm gonna respect what he's doing but i gotta be myself i'm eric Woodyard at the end of the day so i think you know once you understand you're comfortable in your own skin that's another part of it and Maybe I have skill sets that Woes don't have. He has skill sets I don't have. So it's like you can go on and on, all these other great guys, and there's nothing wrong with learning. You know, I talk to a lot of different people, and I learn from people even through watching. And, uh, you know, it, it's just everybody has their own individual journey, and I'm thankful for mine, honestly. Well, t- tell me this. Who, who is the funniest player or the <laughs> fir- funniest personality in the NBA? Like in my generation <laughs> – Charles Barkley was the funniest because he could say things that the rest of us couldn't say and get away with it. Like if I was cursing in an interview, it'd be like, oh my gosh, what is BJ saying? If Charles says it, everyone goes, that's just Charles. That's just Charles. Like who, who is that personality now in the NBA that you go, you know what? I can't wait to just, you know, chop it up with him at his locker or hopefully you get a private motor. Who is that guy? Man, I'll probably say, uh, 
come right to come right to mind. I got I got to say Draymond Green. I mean yeah. Draymond. <laughs> you know, everybody calls you. never know what he's gonna, gonna say. <laughs> you know what that ain't gonna say, man. And, and he, you know he, he a funny dude and uh, somebody else who's just funny that people might not know. I'm trying to think um, a funny person. I just think Draymond come to mind because he, he kind of like in that Charles Barkley mode where it's yep. like you don't know what he gonna say, but he, he he's super cool, man. Like right, right. No, he's the he's cool. the best. He's yeah, the best. that's Michigan love. Also, you got to keep it. Yeah, yeah it keeps uh, it sag, hey, sag <laughs> nasty. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, Eric, is there any uh, is there anything that you're working on now, story wise? I know you do a bunch of different stuff. You do you know outside the line reports, things like that. Is there anything you're working on currently that you want to let us know, let the world know here on pushing through? Man, I'm actually I've been helping out with the boxing cover, so that's been fun for me. I've always been a lifelong boxing fan, so I got this big story coming with Roy Jones, um, and I think it's gonna be pretty cool when it comes out. Man, I'm excited for that one. Amazing. Uh, that's you know obviously the season's coming up, so it's gonna be a lot of different things. But right now, what I'm excited is this boxing coverage and. Um, just, uh, you know, moving forward with that, man, I'm trying to show that I'm valuable in other ways. I went to go check out Imani Bates the other day and him and Chet Holmgren. Oh, yeah, that right. was cool to see the high school kids and just trying to really, man, just be myself on this level when I'm learning how to be myself. And, uh, it's been fun, man. It's this whole journey. It's been highs, lows, every, every experience you can feel, obviously going through a coronavirus. So right. I, I think now I see the light now. Hey, Eric, mm. when I when I'm able to start traveling and we get past this coronavirus, and now that I know you are covering boxing, <laughs> you know there's a guy that I grew up with in Detroit by the name of the Hitman. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey. Hitman. he gave us perhaps the greatest three rounds in the history of, of, of boxing. You know, that's the Hitman, and we grew up together in the same neighborhood. He was a little older than me. Mm-hmm. But man, can you can can you for me do a story on the hitman? Because I, I to, it's like I, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, <laughs> wink wink, to do yeah. a documentary on the hitman. Yeah. We need to tell his story from the deep. We right. need to tell his he is one of the greatest. And every time living out here in LA, when I every now and then I'll see Sugar Ray and I see these guys, we need to get behind. <laughs> In the city of Detroit, in Michigan, right. and tell the hitman story Man. because he's the best. When he was yeah. fighting, the city was shut down. <laughs> 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 what up, though? That he, now you got me fired up. Can you can you do that for me? Can you be you and the hitman just sit down, man, chop no, it up, man? man. Can I you do that for me? Man. I just was watching that fight about a week ago. Me and my homeboy, we sit back and watch you know fights from time to time and. We just sat down and watched that Hitman and, and Hagler, man. That was one of the greatest fights of all, all time. Just the energy and everything about it, the swag of him, all that was just amazing. Man, man, man. I, was... I had one question I wanted to ask you while I was on here, though, man. I know, you know, when you was at Iowa, man, you played with one of the all-time greats coming out of here. I'm in Michigan right all now. All-time, so all-time greats. Man, how was it for you playing with Ray? Why he don't man. get the respect Ray Marble, man? man. Rest Roy... Roy Marble, too. Oh, man, that's, that, that's great. Mm-hmm. You know, Roy and I were roommates. And then I went to school together. Flint Beecher. And That's where Monte Morris went. Yeah. Roy, Roy was, he was so ahead of his time as an athlete. Um, he was the best. He was the, we were roommates. We went to Iowa together. We did everything together. Loved his family. And, uh, you know, we was, you know, when he passed, it was just such a, you know, he was like a brother. He was everything. We went to school together. We did everything together. We played AAU together. Uh, we did everything. Mm-hmm. And um, how was he as a player? He was 
He was unbelievable. He was he was an athlete. He was 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, tough, and he could shoot it, rebound, and, you know, he was – he had it all. You know, he but, – but, but back then, you had Glenn Rice. Mm-hmm. You had Andre Risen. You know, Jeff Greer was a year ahead of us. Mm-hmm. Anthony Pendleton. Uh, Terrence Green, Roy Marble, you know, it was thick up there in Flint, you know, it was, hey, hey, it was players, you know, the Eric Turner, you know, uh, Marty Embry, all of those guys from up there. So, you know, when you would play Flint Central, you know, that, that was when ET was doing his thing, you yeah. know, that was like, yeah. it was, but Roy was, he, he was a special player. He was a special person. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm just so happy that I had a chance to, you know, have that small part of my life with him. I mean, literally, we were together every day. When he decided to go to Iowa, we did it together. We we walked on campus together. We lived together. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's my guy for life. And um, he's no longer with us, but he's always here in my heart because he meant everything to me. And, um, you know, he was a flinch. He was a Flintstone. He he wore Flint. I mean, if there was ever a Flintstone, he was Flint, you know. And uh, when all of his guys would come up from Flint, and it, it was great. And being from Detroit, so uh, we just always had this bond with his family and my family, and uh, and and I love playing with him. He was he was he was hands down the best talent to go to Iowa without question. He was he was a McDonald's All American. I could just go on and on about him. He was like kind of ahead of his time. If he was coming out now, he'd be, you know, he'd be a lottery pick, you know, because of what he could do and how, you know, he was running and jumping before we knew what that was, you know. <laughs> and uh, I remember they used to call him Baby Jordan, you know. And, yeah. uh, you know, Roy, he, he had that, he, he, he had that Flint in him, you know. He, yeah. he didn't back down from nobody. <laughs> and, uh and that was my brother. I mean, that was my partner in crime. I mean, we did everything. We did a lot of things together. <laughs> that was my man. That was my man. And uh, but yeah, he he was the best. And yeah, I had to ask you about him, man. Before he passed, you know, um, your son was about to get drafted. Uh, Devin. Right. Yep. 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 Devin. Yep. A lot around then, man. And uh, you know, I always said if I had a chance to to do something with you, I was gonna ask you about him, man. Yo, I know man yeah, yeah. He. Yeah. For for sure, man. I I can go on and on about he was. Like literally, like, yeah, we, I mean, we did everything, you know. Mm-hmm. Is that was my, you know, we and when we was in Iowa, you know, we was like freaking frack. We were, <laughs> hey, hey, you didn't see one without the other, you know. That's hey, <laughs> that, that's that's my guy, and uh, man, we had it was uh, probably you know the best four years of my life was uh, yeah. spending that time with him and getting to know him, and literally, we literally we did everything together. Yeah. Yeah, that's good, man. I appreciate that, man. For real, talking about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, we just should share this right now. Just shout out to Flint, Michigan. I mean, it's just uh, so many talented and beautiful people have come out of Flint, and uh, they deserve the world. So, I mean, that's just another you know character in a long lineage of Flintstone. So we uh, we appreciate you sharing that, BJ. We appreciate you coming on, Eric. This is a uh, this has been a great first time on pushing through. Like man, we just said, have you back. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say, have you back. Yeah, once man, you get your booking agent and all that sort of stuff, let us know what the contact <laughs> yeah. number is, and we'll reach out. Man, I'll be chilling, man. I ain't know that, man. I'm chilling. <laughs> <laughs> all right, <laughs> perfect. Appreciate you, man. All right, man. Thank y'all. For okay, Wood, man. Hey, peace, man. All right, Thank love. You, man. Yep. yep. Okay.